Hi, whenever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali, and this is today's tech briefing. In this program, yeah, breathtaking year. You know, it's already been hitting the headlines. The kind of unicorns, you know, that's uh, you know come up this year. Just this year, you know, we touched. Uh, you know, 66, you know, with the latest, of course, being Vedantu last week and, you know, and then just 29 out of those happening just in this year. That's after these headlines. Oyo Hotels and Homes filed its draft prospectus with India's capital markets regulator on Friday, aiming to raise 8,430 crore rupees or $1.2 billion through an initial public offer of shares Economic Times reports. The online hotel booking startup expects to raise around 7,000 crore rupees or $950 million through fresh issuance of shares, while the balance will come through secondary share sales. Japan's SoftBank Group, with over 46% stake in Oyo's founder Ritesh Agarwal with 33% of the startup, will continue to be promoters after the IPO, according to ET. An oil pipeline leak has sent 126,000 gallons of crude into the water off the coast of Orange County in California, threatening an ecological reserve home to several species of birds, Los Angeles Times reports. The leak, first reported on Saturday, is from a pipeline connected to an offshore rig called Ellie. It's not clear what caused the leak and how long the oil was escaping, according to the paper. Google has shut down its new banking service, Plex, less than a year after launching it in November last year. Google had announced a service almost two years ago that users would be able to get checking accounts and debit cards in partnership with banks including Citibank, the Wall Street Journal reports. Google will instead focus on enabling digital services for its partners rather than offering the services itself, according to Engadget. Apple's push for privacy may be a sign that the iPhone maker wants to enter the advertisement market itself, Brad Erickson, an analyst at brokerage RBC Capital Markets, said in a note to clients, Reuters reports, Apple can use data privacy as cover while it invests in a search algorithm behind the scenes, Erickson said, referring to potential advertising revenue from a Google-like search engine, according to the Reuters report. In October last year, Financial Times reported that Apple was stepping up efforts to build its own alternative to Google's search engine. Currently, Google pays Apple to be the default search engine on iPhones and other devices, a practice that is under the scanner of the US Department of Justice. Amazon's founder Jeff Bezos has invested in Ula, an Indonesian e-commerce startup, through his family office Bezos Expeditions, TechCrunch reports. Ula is in talks to raise a fresh funding round of $80 million, and existing investors include B Capital Group, Sequoia Capital India, Lightspeed Venture Partners, and Kuona Capital. Unicorns are being minted at an unprecedented rate in India, with venture capital and private equity money flowing into the country in the first nine months this year, already going past anything seen before. Arun Natarajan, founder at Venture Intelligence, which closely tracks these transactions, explained to me the main reasons why. Here's more. Arun, welcome to this podcast, uh, and uh, thank you for making uh, time for this. And uh, you have just released your latest estimates of uh, uh, VC and private equity investments in India. Maybe you could give us a snapshot uh, of the most noteworthy numbers uh, at the broad level. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Hari. Good to be here. And uh, yeah, breathtaking year. You know, it's already been hitting the headlines, the kind of unicorns, you know, that's, uh, you know, come up this year, just this year, you know, we touched, uh, you know, 66, you know, with the latest, of course, being Vedantu last week and, you know, and then just 29 out of those happening just in this year. So this year has been all tech-led, you know, digital adoption-led and unicorn-led to that extent. So the overall private equity of which we classify startup funding as a subset, right, venture capital and, you know, even growth capital. So the overall numbers is a staggering $49 billion, you know, that has been raised in just the first nine months of 2021. And this is already clearly you know, blown out the 2020 overall figures, which was almost 40 billion. And remember, that was the year of Geo's mega funding, right? Whether it was telecom, whether it was their retail, you know, we thought we could not see something like that again. But guess what? 2021 has taken all of us by surprise and, you know, just carried on from April onwards, you know, to where we saw a mega set of unicorns emerge and it's just not stopped, you know, one after the other. And so much so that, you know, uh, something like 40% of uh, the overall PEVC funding has gone into just the unicorns, you know, 20 billion plus, you know, dollars. So that's just, uh, now these are the numbers that we used to talk about in normal years for the overall private equity ecosystem. Now it's just for the unicorns, we are seeing $20 billion. So really, really very tech-led, very digital adoption-led, you know, kind of momentum. Uh, never before numbers, you know, is, is where we are in terms of territory-wise. So that that's really, really tech. You know, we've seen the number of deeds obviously led by Flipkart, which, you know, chose to raise $3.6 billion. Uh, and then a whole bunch of IT services companies are going through. That's an interesting phase. You know, this quarter we saw Hinduja Global, you know, spin off its BPO business to Bering Asia. But, you know, predominantly tech, fintech companies like Eruditas in EdTech this quarter, and then Pine Labs, you know, all raising upwards of $600 million and so on. Yeah, and breathtaking, you know, in, and just carrying on, right? Even this month, starting off which, you know, Misho is put out another the $500 million plus, you know, thing. So it's just amazing. Companies are raising money round after the other, all within a matter of months, right? So mega deals too. So it is just a fantastic to see the kind of momentum and it seems to be India's dominating uh, the global landscape, you know, outside of obviously the US, given how regulatory impact in China has kind of brought down the levels there. So it's very, very interesting and very unprecedented times. Yeah, I mean, uh, to your mind, uh, what are the uh, kind of top reasons that so much money is flowing into India's uh, startup scene? So macro, you know, it's clearly global liquidity, you know, and in any kind of such, you know, bull run we are seeing, you know, including in the private markets, it's really driven by liquidity, availability of the capital and the cost of capital, right? So we've seen this in, and obviously much smaller sizes in the past. You know whether it's 2000 2007 and so on but the point is every such this is a mega tidal wave you know of which you know proportions we've not seen largely led by the liquidity and the cost of capital in overseas markets which is you know as we know unprecedented and even negative interest rates right when you have that kind of scenario naturally 
uh, you know, there is a preference to move towards riskier asset class because the capital is looking for some kind of positive return to be had and that is no longer possible in developed markets. So it's come to developing markets, you know, it's not just obviously private markets, public markets are in record, attracting record, you know, I believe some number out there which said that, you know, the, the capital that's come into overall equity, private, public all put together, just in 2021 is more than the last 20 years put together, right? So, wow, I mean, that's the kind of numbers we're talking about in all global liquidity driven. The thing to remember, you know, any such uh, kind of momentum-led, you know, thing, you know, could turn, right? So, that is something that, you know, we have to keep in mind because, you know, when you have such an amount of capital led by the, in the private side, you know, players like Tiger Global, etc., whose heritage is, you know, a hedge fund, you know, linked and so on, that could turn, right? So, if the interest rates in the US, you know, kind of thing turn and things could take for a pause. And like I already mentioned, uh, China, you know, uh, is, is a big factor now, until uh, even uh, last year. Chinese capital coming to India was also a big, you know, the Tencent's and Alibaba's were investing here. And, you know, thanks to the border tensions and other factors, you know, no longer is Chinese money welcome. And there is no counterbalance to the U.S. capital today, right? So there is some amount of domestic capital, increasingly so, but not, you know, going to be any moving the needle uh, to the requirements of these startups, you know, that are kind of riding this wave. So key point is, you know, we have to watch out for what's happening in the U.S., including the interest rates. If that turns, I know this momentum could take a pause. But having said that, the biggest, uh, you know, uh, uh, plus point is that, you know, the depth that COVID and its impact has given to the domestic markets, that it's become a dream come true scenario for VCs in terms of just the digital adoption. Everything, therefore, is follows from, you know, that. So all the companies have kind of got wind behind their sales, uh, you know, across sectors. So that's really, you know, my take on why these record numbers so far. Mm. You mentioned some of the noteworthy uh, transactions, uh, Vedanto, Eruditis, Pine Labs. Uh, so yeah, uh, EdTech, uh, FinTech, and also, I guess, IT services has been, uh, maybe these days there's more excitement over startups, but I think IT and IT services uh, continues to be kind of uh, steady. Uh, so which are some of the uh, other uh, verticals uh, that have attracted uh, big sums of money? Yeah, definitely, you know, like you mentioned, uh, EdTech, FinTech, IT services, because of, you know, companies are getting a lot of business in terms of, you know, digital adoption by companies, which earlier did not kind of look at it as seriously. But I would add SaaS to the mix, right? So e-commerce is an obvious given. We've seen the Zomato IPO takeoff and, you know, kind of really breathtakingly so. And, you know, these are all, whether it is tech, fintech, e-commerce, these are all sectors that would have any way kind of come into the fore given time. And COVID has just accelerated what probably would have taken a few years to happen to just a matter of months, right? So e-commerce would be, I would the number one sector in addition to that. And there is no need to kind of belabor the point. We all know that. But SaaS is a very, very interesting phenomenon and additional, you know, thing had come, you know, last year and COVID broke out. It was not very clear that 
how SaaS would kind of, you know, get impacted, you know, because, you know, travel was down. These companies were really sitting out of India and serving primarily the U.S. markets. You know, things were going through a freeze even over there of spends and work to from home and all of that chaos but you know come second half of the year you know this was actually phenomenal to see how the likes of you know freshworks browser stack charge b and so on you know postman all of these have now become unicorns but you know that was a phenomenon something that you know unlike edtech which is an obvious gainer from covid or you know now the macro, you know, uh, tide ripping, including B2B spending, uh, you know, impacting SaaS and we have culminating in the IPO of Freshworks is something that I would say has been an important addition to the whole mix of companies benefiting, you know, from this whole funding phenomenon. Mm. And yeah, on, on unicorns, I mean, as you pointed out uh, in your blog as well, unicorns are being minted in India at an unprecedented rate. Uh, give us a sense of uh, what is happening and why investors are so bullish on India. And I believe some investors even think that even this is kind of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, so whether this is the tip of the iceberg is something that, you know, time will tell. You know, this is really unprecedented territory already. The macro point being like any big wave, you know, there will be some winners, you know, and many of them in this particular wave but you're going to see a little bit of saving of this you know uh, segment you know when uh, the impact of covid at least recedes and also the interest rates etc turn like i mentioned in the us whether this wall of money will continue to support all sectors like we are seeing today or there will be far more selectivity which is what i would suspect nothing is kind of going to go away completely but some of the sectors will see winners and losers so uh, we will see, have to see based on the quality of the management, whether it is, you know, quality of, you know, the, uh, uh, the investors there and, you know, whether they are able to take the company all the way to IPO. You've seen a rash of them lined up, right? All of these will factor. And the last point, you know, when it comes to, you know, the venture capital driven um, you know, tech momentum and unicorns, I would say, is how some of these startups are using this capital that they are raising currently. Baiju's is a fantastic example of that. They have done so many acquisitions this year, 15 in total, and, you know, uh, more than 10 in the last couple of years, starting with Akash, which is an offline education that Blackstone had, you know, kind of backed earlier for a billion dollars. And they've gone ahead and acquired companies in the US like Epic and so on. So, I mean, very, very interesting is that, you know, they are able to rapidly kind of go global because India is attracting the capital. Another example I would say is Farmeasy. Again, they've done an acquisition of an offline diagnostic company, Thyrocare, at a time when uh, the uh, that's uh, diagnostic space is obviously going through a huge curve thanks to COVID and other testing, you know, that's happening. So very, very interesting in terms of, you know, both not just investing, but also exits of these, uh, you know, startups, whether it is, you know, Freshworks and Zomato, uh, you know, that's also something that we need to keep in mind. It's not just all investing. Yeah. Um... If you uh, compare uh, India's uh, startup ecosystem with that of uh, China's, uh, where would you place it in terms of uh, the maturity of startups uh, as well as availability of money? Of course, you've already mentioned that the depth of the market has considerably increased, 
I mean, that said, uh, how does India compare with China? Yeah, no, clearly India was uh, an emerging and a strong number three in terms of the overall size of the ecosystem, naturally so. You know, in terms of just the unicorns is a metric, you know, the US is so far ahead. Uh, and then, you know, it was followed by China with, you know, around 150 or so. And then, you know, India was there, you know, just in the beginning of the year, you know, hitting 25 and now 20, 66 kind of thing, right? So clearly we are catching up to China uh, in terms of numbers. And at the same time that their ecosystem is going through a very big churn, which is, you know, regulatory led. So the uh, comparisons wise, you know, we are clearly, we were following China, you know, even before 2020 in terms of the models of companies, you know, a player like Tiger Global is, you know, is very, very interesting that way because they have a thesis, they had it even, you know, when they invested in Flipkart, you know, in uh, even uh, 2000 era, uh, the point was they clearly had had a thesis that whatever happens in the US will happen in China and then, you know, the other emerging markets, including India, right? So, uh, and, you know, Tiger has been the biggest backer of some of these unicorns, not just in India, but globally. So, clearly, you know, that thesis has worked out. But there have been several, you know, companies of very clearly India flavor. And uh, that's something that to be, be watched and no longer is the kind of companies that you know take off in china are kind of copy pasted in india so we are seeing very very unique models which are starting with obviously the one that funded you know some of the india specific companies which is a listed company infoedge which runs now cree and there are other you know companies you know in the listed space included like matrimony.com none of which you know kind of have parallels in the other markets right so i think we will continue to see uh, some of these similar, you know, to the global kind of uh, unicorns happen, but, you know, increasingly we will see more, you know, regional language oriented, very India specific, including in agri-tech and so on models emerge, right? So we're going to kind of, it's a good point so far, we've followed, you know, roughly like what, you know, uh, Chinese model, very urban centric, very heavy tech driven, you know, mobile led and so on. But as we go forward, we will see more local solutions and, you know, local problems being addressed by these startups, which also scale quite fast. So is there now, uh, you know, sort of, uh, this is, is this the model where some companies out of, in, out of India will begin to emerge as uh, uh, global companies? Clearly, if you look at Baiju's ambitions, it looks like it's no longer uh, specific to India, they definitely have a US ambition, they have a maybe even a European ambition, certainly in Britain, they are expanding. Uh, so uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, clearly, you know, this kind of capital being attracted while India, you know, specific companies, especially in the B2C e-commerce space have the scale to kind of, you know, absorb this money and, you know, uh, deploy it in the Indian market. But every other segment, including a tech, including fintech and so on, SaaS obviously is a global play from, you know, very uh, day one for these companies, um, you know, will really, really, you know, use this capital to grow globally, you know, and we will see probably some unique models, you know, being exported, you know, from India to 
uh, dominate you know the global scene that's really something to look forward to and it's going to happen uh, because a, a company like let's say a huge investor like softbank for example right that's exactly their thesis even before covid when they come in you know they kind of invest very large amounts of capital of companies that are already you know working and leaders in a space and they want these companies for example oyo is a good example of company they backed they want them to take this capital and replicate this model fine tune them probably in india but you know kind of then take that capital and you know replicate it across the world so we're going to see like you mentioned you know for example pine labs is already a company which is kind of going to go public and you know replicating in other geographies and so on so uh, a sector after sector we're going to see that you know uh, some of the winners in india take this capital and you know replicate their success or even acquire companies overseas and expand their footprint uh, on the back of the huge amount of capital that's available to them in the slightly longer term uh, to your mind uh, what are the ways in which uh, all of these plays will pan out uh, do you see these companies uh, actually becoming profitable and long term enduring businesses or do you expect that you know there'll be consolidation and they'll become part of other big global multinationals so every kind of uh, you know wave uh, like this and this one like i said is a tsunami <clears throat> leaves behind the shore you know quite rich in terms of successful business models emerging so but you know also there will be some uh, you know kind of uh, ones that fade away once the such a tide you know kind of recedes but i see more winners because of the single factor which is the digital adoption you know we've never seen our markets and also like we discussed in the case of saas global markets adopting you know technology to this level across you know uh, everything you know from business to personal to anything else you know work and play right so pretty much everything is going uh, digital and that's benefiting some of our companies if we talked about and yes you know to that extent there will be some permanent winners and we talked about sectors from those and uh, you know some of them may not work out you know post covid like we said not every tech company is going to kind of you know make it post you know people wanting to just be off screens for some time right so i see that happening and third i would say that you know uh, apart from the what happens with the global liquidity regulations you know we clearly saw what happened in china and frankly uh, you know whether it is gaming in india whether it was microfinance if you go back to the 2020 2010 kind of phenomenon with the zandra crisis and regulator clamp down and even you know this month we are talking about rbi changing the rules on two factor authentication and so on so uh, the point is you know it's not as if it's only a chinese phenomenon nothing you know can affect indian startups uh, you know we need to watch out for that uh, angle as well what happens to regulation you know when you know for example gaming some of the courts are you know and some of the local state governments are challenging some of these you know unicorns included uh, you know gaming companies so uh, we really have to watch out in terms of not just the overall liquidity uh, but also in terms of some of the local factors including the regulation once covid is out of the way i would say mm. you already talked about uh... Uh, the risk of some kind of a global reset in terms of uh, 
uh, money being cheap, uh, you know, then turning dry and things like that. Uh, what might be the implications of, of such a reset uh, for India's uh, tech startup scene? Uh, since you also mentioned that the domestic interest is still not really moving the needle. Absolutely. You know, so one of the uh, benefits, uh, you know, uh, of uh, this whole asset class giving returns back, right? So the Zomato IPO, the Freshworks IPO has shown not just international investors that, you know, venture capital private equity in India works and it kind of gives returns back to investors that they can probably deploy again, uh, but also domestic capital now has you know kind of proven itself to be you know allocating to this asset class and you know including startups you know thanks to some of these ipos because ipos are really the final arbiter in terms of uh, you know the startup ecosystem reaching complete maturity and even more so domestic liquidity right so ipos obviously being the Top there and Zomato, therefore, is such an important landmark event that you know, a company like this, a loss making company, heavily so, you know, investors here, including some of our mutual funds, you know, it was a little bit of a question mark until the last minute, you know, when there was so much interest. Uh, that, you know, this market would absorb such loss-making companies with no predictions of turning profitable, right? So these are companies are outright telling, you know, investors and that to our financial institutions, which are steeped in, you know, uh, very, very profitable companies. And to say that, okay, we are loss-making, we are fast-growing, but we intend to make those losses, you know, for some time to come, you know. We thought this is something reserved for the U.S. markets with Uber, etc., right? But not the case. Zomato, therefore, is a huge turning point, you know, in the fact that our financial institutions understand and want to support such business models, including in the public market. So, you know, that is, uh, you know, I think very important signaling to lot of downstream investors, whether it is family offices, insurance companies, banks, and so on, that they can go ahead and put money either directly into these companies, and more importantly, these institutions will probably back other private equity venture capital funds, you know, indirectly as limited partners, as we call it, uh, you know, that's going to, you know, catalyze a lot more funds, which will support a lot more startups, making a virtuous cycle. And this you know, does not involve foreign capital, which frankly is the one that can be fickle, right? So we will see that come in when India is attractive and, you know, go away or even put a pause. We've seen even the biggest investors, Tiger Global, SoftBank, do that, right? So, but as long as we have a domestic, you know, ecosystem of both funds, as well as public markets, as well as institutions investing indirectly into funds, you know, supporting, we will create a cycle of where, you know, foreign capital is very welcome and you know, they will bring in the big dollars, but you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, they are the be all and end all foreign capital that is for the ecosystem here. So that really for me is a big, uh, you know, uh, takeaway from the Zomato success and hopefully a few more IPOs will happen and that virtuous cycle. So the domestic capital, while it's not going to be as big as foreign capital, it creates a base from which, you know, we can build, uh, you know, on, when the foreign capital is available at that point. You know. Excellent. Uh, Arun, uh, we have to stop this conversation here. Thank you so much again for making time and certainly hope to keep the conversation going. My pleasure, Harry. Thank you.
that was arun natarajan that's it for this briefing you can find all our podcasts on forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps i'm hari arakli thank you for listening